of let me tell you something during our year-long five-star Meltzer project adventure as myself Lorcan Mullen and my co-host Simon Cross watch every match that Dave Meltzer's rated five stars or higher that's available through legal means purely and simply um, <laughs> this time weirdly this is one we did watch legally <laughs> um, uh, because we're we've been able to watch a match that's available via the archives of the WWE network because it is the only the fourth match, I believe, under the WWF banner in the 14 years at this point that Dave Meltzer had been dishing out star ratings that he gave the full Monty five stars to. The previous one that we spoke about was the Bret Hart Stone Cold Steve Austin submission match from WrestleMania 13 in 1997. And it's just like the last, two, the first two five star matches, both came from 1994. This time it's 1997 that's the Annus Mirabilis. What are we talking about for the second 1997 match, Simon? Uh, we are talking about Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker in the first ever Hell in a Cell match. At the second ever three-hour in-your-house pay-per-view, I believe, the which they had headlined the previous three-hour pay-per-view of Ground Zero. And this is the sign of things starting to turn around for the WWE already because as they were saying they're in the Keel Center in St. Louis they describe it as a sellout crowd and it certainly looks like a packed crowd yeah this it's funny because like the night if 1998 is the um commercial and cultural peak for the WWE I think you could definitely make the case that 1997 is the artistic peak for the WWE it's like how a band's the the album just before they become huge is maybe their best album but it's definitely like this match will live in infamy for a number of things for a number yeah. of reasons one being a great match another one being the first legendary match between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker they had had their Grand Zero match the uh, month before but that was really just like a, a setup. that just ended in a wild no contest brawl uh, whereas this, like you said... That was setting in... the table for this. Much it... in the many ways, to piggyback your point a little, uh, this year, 1997, is the foundation which gave them the springboard to kick on in 1998. The Heart Foundation, maybe? Maybe. Mm, but not in this match. But it's also the match that has been on at least... It's an event that takes place in this match has been in at least two of our definitive Mount Rushmore moments in the early days of Let Me Tell You Something, but maybe we'll get to that a bit later on. First of all, one of the things I think I would make an observation for this match is this might be the most one-sided shit-kicking <laughs> to ever get given five stars. I think if you were to tally up who dished it out and who received it, at most it's 66-33 in favour of The Undertaker, and it might be higher than that. Yeah. Well, it, that's the narrative, though. That's the that is the thing they've said. Like Sean's been using the numbers game um, to go after the Undertaker. He's been using weaponry with the steel chair. Yeah, 
I mean, it's after seeming, seemingly accidentally hitting him at SummerSlam, which is the spark for all this, where he was the special guest referee between Undertaker and Bret Hart, uh, and he had to call the match down the middle, otherwise he'd be fired. Um, so he acts, he goes to hit Bret, Bret ducks, hits Taker with a chair, has to count the free, put, free count, not especially happy about it. Uh, and then Undertaker obviously wants revenge, and he's having to use his like um, bodyguards... To keep him at bay, basically. And with that, Shawn Michaels also turns heel, quite similarly to Bret Hart, in that he claims that there's a moral hypocrisy going on with the fans. Mm, which is alluded to in the pre-match package. Mm. So, Shawn Michaels at this point is at his physical prime. He's 31 or 32. The Undertaker's barely a few years older than that, maybe. Yeah. And it's funny, I I don't remember, if, I think after this, Jim Cornette did a whole promo pointing out how you had The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels having that amazing Hell in a Cell match. And at the same, in the same month on WCW, you had Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hogan, and Roddy Piper also having a cage match that was a... <laughs> Markedly different. Nicknamed Age in the Cage, I believe. Yeah. And I would have thought, even though I can't recall JR, although JR liked to point out these guys are in their prime and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Knowing what we know now and the fact that we had Shawn Michaels and, and The Undertaker and also Triple H and uh, Kane, we might as well say it now, Kane. Yep. The sort of two accompaniments of the two people that you're also seeing in this match at various points. Um, still doing their thang in front of a mostly indifferent Saudi crowd. <laughs> I have not watched that Crown Jewel match, but um, neither have I. It's, it's no. uni- the universal feedback I have received is that they everyone wishes they hadn't have bothered. <laughs> I have seen the fit. I have seen with the bit where Sean has his hand raised at the end of Crown Jewel and the look of embarrassment on his face. It's like, oh, oh mate. someone lip read him saying to Triple H, "We're too old for this shit," or something like yeah. that. Um, but that's not what you're getting in this one. They're both spry, they're both agile, they're both um, just at their best. And and it's funny because 97 was really almost The Undertaker's coming out as a a, a worker. Faster, a faster, more because athletic. Because he's, he's no longer being put with the Kamalas and the Giant Gonzalez's and the King Kong Bundys and the King Mabels. Mm. Started... Well, he's, he's no longer just being like a straight zombie either. There's yeah, more. They they started to integrate yeah. him into the WWE's main event scene really at the start of '96 when he took on Bret Hart. He'd always really been in his own little enclave, really, from the moment that he became the babyface. Like we've always said, he's sort of like the Andre the Giant special attraction. Yes. And that was really what he was. He was his own segments, his own matches, his own opponents that really kind of came and went after they were done with The Undertaker. They were mm. sort of the monster of the month, really. Like yeah. I said, your Kamala, then Gonzalez, then the Million Dollar Corp. Well, then he got involved with Yokozuna, so that was him slightly being brought into it, and then almost immediately being taken out of it after he'd done with Yokozuna, and then he's just feuding with the Million Dollar Corporation because Ted DiBiase's done the fake Undertaker, and he's like a Godzilla novelty character going through all these different yeah. monsters, and Karma and like I said, uh, King Kong Bundy, and then when he comes, then he gets brought into it to to feud with. Then he wrestles Bret Hart for the world title at Royal Rumble '96, and he begins his feud with Diesel. 
And so Diesel, whilst he is a big guy, he's also not defined as a monster outside of that just yeah. existed for the Undertaker. Yeah, he's not like supernatural. He's not like just a, a freak or anything like that. I mean, genetically, thing, yeah. he is. Look his, at him. His whole thing was, "I ain't afraid of the dark." That was what he'd always yeah. say to the Undertaker, and then the Undertaker would try and play mind games with him. Ah, um, the fake in the casket, didn't it? Yeah. Although you know that was that was a uh, very much a, a dummy in that shot. Kevin Nash in this shot. Dummy in that shot. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Nash reaction shot. Um, but then and then. After that, the and and then the Undertaker selling is increasingly becoming more human. Then you get mankind coming along and being the first one to really give to get some victories over the Undertaker, like legit yeah. victories. And then you get Paul Bearer turning heel, so that means the Undertaker's got to speak more. So again, he's becoming more humanized. The face isn't powdered as much anymore. Is the, mm. the, the the hair? It's got that teardrop thing going on. Yes, at this point, the though. tattoos are starting to become more prevalent. Yeah. Uh, hopefully without any co- connections to white supremacist motorcycle gangs or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I told I told you about that, didn't I? No. Like, oh, was that the uh, not, street crew thing? Uh, no, because there were some non-white people in that. Yeah. Uh, there's some um, upsetting stuff you find out about, at least The Undertaker's past, if you look at a few photos. Oh. Yeah. I'll talk to you about it later. Um... And so, like I said, it's been this constantly, increasingly humanizing of the Undertaker, and then yeah. they start to reveal sort of the mysteries behind him, with Paul Bearer's saying that Kane is alive, and that's sort of that his parents have been burnt in the fire, and that was sort of giving like explanations as to what the urn was supposed to, what had been in the urn, it been his parents' ashes, basically. Yeah. And with that, like I said, he was cutting promos more. His selling was starting to become more real. He was still doing the sit-ups, but it wasn't the zombie walk, constantly walking towards you and everything, you know. Yeah. Um, I did love that again. And then when he does do the sit-up in this match, it works because it's the only time he really does it and it freaks Shawn Michaels out because he does... It's it's, it's kind of like the equivalent because he hits him with everything, including switching music, and then The Undertaker sits up. So it's like... The old Hulk Hogan being hit with everything and the finisher that usually wins the match, but he and the Ultimate Warrior are the ones that can kick out and yes. feel no pain. Yeah, and, and it's and very like, like they they emphasize it a lot. This is Undertaker's chance to like wreak vengeance, and this is yeah. what he does for most of the and match. He's, and he's emotionally bothered by stuff. He's, yeah, he's pissed off. He feels wronged. He feels robbed. He's you know, he, he'd he been a champion and he'd been a defending champion and that meant he was facing an array of wrestlers. You know, it wasn't yeah. just, like I said, it, you know, he first fought Mankind, but then he fought Steve Austin, then he fought Farouk, then he, you know, and he's feuding with the Nation of Domination and he's wrestling Vader and he's wrestling Bret Hart and then he's wrestling. So he's a part of the rock. This is, like I said, this was the period mm. where The Undertaker was just an integrated part of the main event scene. It was really the only time that he was really defined by pursuit of the WWF Championship, he's cutting promos, you know, he's t- and then then eventually leading to the American Badass character that we yeah. see a couple of years from now. Uh, and um, he, he he's really good at telling the story of like the wronged guy in this match, and just as good, if not actually better, I'd say is the the uh, way Shawn Michaels tells his story. Like the the bit where he attacks the cameraman as like some sort of naked opportunism to make them open the door so he can get I away. I don't know if that's what it was. 
I think that was more playing up the whole Shawn Michaels being temperamental and lashing out, and also he was getting his butt kicked by the Undertaker, so he well, can take it, so he can take it out on a defenseless cameraman who was very uh, visibly, obviously, a wrestler. I think and, it's a bit of both. I think the first time he attacks the cameraman, you're right. I think the second time he attacks the cameraman. It leans more towards me. He he, he is temperamentally. He I, takes do like, I do temperament. like that they set it up that he's already yeah. been bothered by. Although they do, and they also say it's not even the same cameraman. Yeah. So which again great brings more to a sense of how Shawn Michaels is just a dick. <laughs> it's just like it's, it's Vince going. Oh, we're really really sorry to that cameraman's family. But it is a very yeah yeah because straight after JR said might be a lawsuit on our hands here. This <laughs> <laughs> is like ah oh, shit. <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I will say this actually, out of all the three men commentary teams there've been, this might be my favourite. Oh, that's not this... saying much, but I think it JR does colour but of a different of an analytical kind. Vince is Vince and so because Vince always makes everyone speak like he does in commentary and everyone else sounds unnatural. With Vince it kind yeah. of you know, it's it's like when you when you read when you hear the 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 descriptions of the feuds and everything in the voiceover narration, you know that that's Vince's verbiage. Phrases, yeah. Know, Vince's weird weird interpretation of how the English language works. <laughs> so, like when he, so, um, so go on. Sorry. I was going to say the great example was another Hell in a Cell match where Shane um, jumps off the top oh yeah 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 yeah. for the love of mankind well that was the thing that bothered me because you can literally see michael cole reading off of his notes yeah and that was you know we've already we've made our michael cole uh episode that's worth a listen where i think we give him a lot more um uh, we're more defensive but let's let's move away from that i just said i liked that jr kind of would carry play by play occasionally but he would just also as well be kind of giving the the summary analysis and yeah. then jerry lawler's there popping in different phrases and he comes up with the great you know incoming incoming <laughs> which is a great i think that's like almost as good a call as like God almighty, God almighty. I killed him. I killed him. it feels as ingrained to that moment as good god almighty does you know yeah although good god almighty is a bigger moment i yeah, feel but that's but that falls a bigger moment it's a bigger yeah. fall and we'll have to talk about that match as well whilst we're doing this. But um, but yeah, it's basically three key blocks. Undertaker beats the shit out of Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels finds a brief opening, does the pile driver on the steps, hits him yeah. with everything he has. Great sound. Like, mm. you know when you get like that Adjikong's first spinning back fist in that second match against Manu Minnesota? That, that is just like peak sound it that is. It's a spot that really only Shawn Michaels ever did. He, he'd do it to The Undertaker a few times. He did it to John Cena. Their WrestleMania match, I remember. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very risky thing, you know. Very trusting of the Undertaker to do it as well. When you got the what six foot Shawn Michaels and the six foot eight, six foot nine Undertaker, yeah, that's a risk. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you'd back Shawn in that scenario, well, wouldn't you? Obviously, he managed it, and he's done yeah. it every time that they did that. Um, so yeah, Undertaker lays a beating on him. Shawn Michaels can't get a move in at all. Shawn Michaels finally finds an opening, hits him with everything he has, including his elbow and his sweet chin music. Undertaker sits up as if nothing's affected him. Shawn Michaels is fucked. And that's the rest <laughs> of the match. And then Shawn Michaels runs away. And that's why I don't think it was premeditated, because it was timed so well. And he's yeah. like, oh my god, I've got an opening. 
So it's like it's how they've done it in the booking of the match, but I don't think it's how Shawn Michaels' mind has worked because he was yeah. really was mostly in control at that point still. And he also did the Andre the Giant spot as well. That's always a good one to like the, the great equalizer of the giant that getting caught up in the ropes. Yeah. And allowing you to hit them. Getting the fists in there. You know, yeah, Andre always loved doing that spot. And then you just have the chaos. And it's it's one it's weird because it's like the whole point of the cell is that you keep them contained, and then within the first match, they already yeah. defy that. Yeah. And then it became basically de facto all cell matches after that pretty much had to have a moment on the ceiling. Yeah. And it's such a cool visual, and they do it so well. Shawn Michaels running away so much that he ends up trying to climb his way out of trouble, but The Undertaker's still there. Yeah. And so Shawn Michaels has just put himself into even greater trouble because... Well, he does, yeah. The when he is... tries to climb down. I and guess like... he figured maybe a six foot nine guy might not be able to climb a, a cell. Yeah. But no. <laughs> it's this is that moment, though, where he is on the top and uh, he's just trying to get down and Taker just does the stamping on the hands. It's yeah. just, oh... Because that's relatable. Everyone's had, like... Everyone who's had, like, a little, like, play fight as a kid... Or like I've been trying to hold on to a climbing flame frame. Has had one point where a, a knobhead kid has tried to get you off the said frame. When I was three, I ended up with three stitches in my head. There you go. See, it's relatable. Um, and yeah, he um, yeah, the the Undertaker um has bloodied Shawn Michaels as well at this point, which the which Shawn Michaels had done to the Undertaker again, another sign of Undertaker's hmm. increased humanism. Uh, that in a raw uh, a few a few episodes ago they bloodied him and, and Shawn Michaels yeah. made a point of that I bloodied you before I'll do it again so I've made you taste your own blood and yeah I'll do again, it again it's like the Undertaker is human you know it's to quote Predator if you bleed bleeds we can, can kill it. it but it seems like that's not the case because Shawn Michaels, did you notice when Shawn Michaels cut himself did you see it um I, I saw the camera pan away because obviously it's after the slingshot bit but I didn't see the cut. Well, he does it just before the slingshot. Oh, if does he? look at it, the Undertaker's got him lined up and you can see Shawn Michaels scratching his head so that when he's uh, able to go into the cage... It'll just open up. It's more. almost in... Well, it's already opening up but just the timing will be quick yeah. enough. Because, again, Shawn Michaels so quick and able to bump so well. He does that early in the match when he does that thing where he gets hit in the... His head gets rammed into the turnbuckle and he bounces yeah. off the bottom rope so that it allows him to jump further with the fall. Um, he, yeah, he's just at his peak, isn't he? Like uh, you're right, athletically, he's just jumping all over the place. He's, the way he sells is beautiful. But it's also, uh, and again, like you know, we're saying that Steve Austin opened the floodgates really as far as blood goes, mm. and uh, you know, just six months after that, and, and apparently they were told no blood at that point. They had to kind of try and make it look like they did it hard way. At this point, they've obviously. Yeah, they're told to integrate the blood into the storyline, you know, with with the Undertaker cutting first and then Shawn Michaels cutting himself here. Yeah, and he bleed. I mean, he, the blood covers far more of his service area than it did with Austin. Really, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, um, at the very very end of the match, uh, once um, all. Well, I can't really say spoiler alerts. It's a very famous match, but um, 
after he's pinned Taker, and th- there's that visual of him lying face down in his own blood, well, it and comes, it's it's yeah. like running towards his mouth, and it's yeah. like what? Oh. He crawls from one pool of blood into another pool of blood. Yeah, um, yeah, and and so the Undertaker's just incredible at this match, just looking like a badass, keeping up with the pace of the Shawn Michaels, and Shawn Michaels' is bumping and pace allows him to look even better than he does against the, the monstrous characters that he plays before. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the Undertaker's just funny. You can tell he's sort of been let out of his, no pun intended, his cage, yeah. and is allowed to show what he can do physically, how he can go, and you know he's always had to work at the pace of his opponents. But that means he can also keep up with the pace of a Shawn Michaels, of a Bret Hart, mm. you know. Um, and he gets it of the of the Rock and the Undertaker, and, and, and it adds Mick depth Foley to what, well. what he I, can do in the minds of like the fans. I think it was because Mick Foley was able to, you know, as we saw with we've seen with like the Shawn Michaels match, he can keep up at a pace that can allow the Undertaker to be pushed further than the other yes. guys could do. He was the bridge. He was very much the bridging opponent yeah. for Taker. Well, with Kevin Nash as well, Diesel before that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, and then, that's gonna be, that's gonna be kind. Another infamous call from the, from this match. Uh, It's funny, they don't have everything quite right. The, the, The pyro explosions don't have that kaboom sound. Yeah. Either when he's making his entrance or when he does the, and I think one of the four corners maybe didn't go off. Oh, it didn't go off as well, I don't think, yeah. It's weird, it's weird that he did it within the cell. I was like, oh, that's brave. I mean, I know it's met, just metal, but still, you never know. And he just ripped the door off its hinges! Again, something they'd done so well to establish beforehand. Mm. That there was no escape unless they let you out, but Kane ain't gonna... Ain't, ain't, got, ain't nobody got time for that. Time for that. It's just there. Just just, and Paul, just Paul Bearer being there, just... Yeah. The little well, nuances like, of it, and just little additional things that the under the Kane rams Earl Hebner into the cell, and I don't know if that means so that Earl Hebner can't see that the outside interference. I don't know if that matters in a Hell in a Cell match or not. No, it's no. Well, they established that it's no disqualification. No they use the chairs in it. Uh, they no. They, the commentators outright say it about yeah. two minutes in. So I don't know why he felt the need to knock out Earl Hebner for that, but in the uh, way. But they had, was in the way. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, the, yeah. Hebner was going to try and stop him, so he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so they needed. So they still wanted to stick the knife to the Undertaker because they wanted the Undertaker to lose. Because you see Paul Bearer yeah. dousing him in water so that he's able to recover and uh, count three with the classic oh, yeah. slow Earl Hebner three counts. Yeah. Very decisive slapping of the match. I love the booing. I will say, I think well. he's, he's probably the best counter refer- in refereeing history. Mm. I don't think anyone does a three count better than Earl Hebner. Definitely, it's of how it dramatic it is. Yeah, he gets the drama of it, and he likes to keep it quite slow for the right, really decisive ones. You know, the big yeah. events. Whereas, like compared to like you look at Joey Morella when he does it for Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, he just does very straightforward three counts. I think Earl Hebner would have put more drama into it. Yeah, but that's just yeah, that's me. Uh, going maybe a bit too deep into it. <laughs> oh, let's go too deep. No. Yeah. So, two things we've already said, like with our with our Shawn Michaels Mick Foley one, the outside interference and the DQ finish affects the rating. 
Does Kane coming into this match and him being the one that's the reason The Undertaker loses and Shawn Michaels wins, will that be a factor in how you judge how you rate this? Um, Less so, because it didn't finish in a DQ. There was still a pinfall finish. However, you know, it wasn't a, a straight shootout between these two men. Mm. But then again, on to but then it's that but that whole thing is one of our favorite angles in wrestling history. We've it used, is, like I said, we've used this basically. We've used the uh, Kane's debut. I think we put it down as one of the greatest debuts of all time. We might have had it as the definitive greatest debut of all time, mm. and we also had it maybe as Kane's greatest moments. I was definitely in the Kane's greatest moments. How could it yeah. not be? <laughs> I was always been frustrated looking back at that that both of us didn't include his two thousand and one Royal Rumble performance. Mm. That, was, that was a real bad omission. Yeah, more egregious of that is because of the rules of how we did it. We ended up having the Miz as the definitive Intercontinental Champion, <laughs> to which I blame you. <laughs> as well, you may. Um, second question: How does this compare to the Bret Hart Steve Austin match that that allowed them certain to go down certain avenues and they followed up on it? So the blood and the violence is a factor in it now. Yeah. Um, it's well, not a fight like no. Austin Brett one is. No, well, it is a fight, but it's more a fight for survival rather than a straight fight between two men. Well, it's that whole thing. Shawn Michaels has always been about spectacle, whereas Brett's been more about realism. Yeah, there's not realism in this match. You know, like the Undertaker doing the sit-up spot and everything. And true. Shawn Michaels climbing up this cage. It yeah. depends what you're looking for with wrestling. If you, it's like this requires more of a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Than the other one. But it's very good fun. So, and Shawn Michaels doesn't look like a badass brawler in this No. Movie. Like, he's, he's out of his element, which kind of works, again. Yeah, well, well that, that's what the story was, yeah. basically. This is him, like, having consequences for his actions. Mm. Or, at least that was the plan. Mm. And even though well, he, he wins you know, the match, yeah. he doesn't look in great shape after well, it, yeah, does it's, he? It's Triple H and China who are celebrating. It's not yeah. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, um, oh, there's so much blood on his face at the end as well. Like he's, he, 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 he has paid for his actions, but somehow he's got away with it because he's won the match. Like, but it's that sense of like uh, they talk. They talk about that bit the about the record books. It's like they both. They? Yeah, it's kind of again. It's kind of like the Steve Austin Bret Hart thing. Both got what they wanted, what they thought they wanted coming into it. Yes, Undertaker wanted to kick the shit out of Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels wanted did. to win the match. Which he did. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah, like a, or Triple H, the... I guess another one you compare it to is the Triple H Cactus Jack uh, Royal Rumble match. Mm. And Hell in a Cell match as well, after that. So mm. then the other thing, the Undertaker McFoley Hell in a Cell match that this obviously influenced didn't get five stars. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that actually so that we don't have to worry about thinking about that for the debrief. Yeah. It's kind of like how we've just had with the previous one with, with uh, Toshiaki Kawada Misawa, that they kind of take the shortcuts. They do. I... You know how I was talking about the I Quit Cage match between Tully and Magnum TA seemed almost more like an angle than it did a match? Mm. This is very much the same. Uh, Undertaker McFoley. Undertaker McFoley, yeah. yes. Uh, and I think it's a better example of the point I was 
trying to make there. Do you get what I mean, though? There's only, like, there's two or three things. There isn't really a match. It's like a, it's like a five-star spectacle. Yes. But the match itself is not a five-star match, as weird as that sounds. Even Correct. Even the match that is the spectacle. Yeah. So then again, it's another one of those things about how ratings are inherently dumb. You know? Yeah. Well, well, we've talked about that enough, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's like did... Shawn Michaels and, and the Undertaker is a more complete meal. Yes. Whereas, do it's... you think without the cage roof breaking, as it wasn't intended to do, the uh, Undertaker Mankind match would be anywhere near as memorable? Well, how do... well, yes, because the thing that people always remember is the table one, the first. Mm-hmm. One. So that's the one that everyone always talks. That about. is more visual, true. Yeah. And are they, well, are they sure that it wasn't set up for him to fall through that? Because how else were they going to get out of the ring? How else were uh, they going to get out of the cell? I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure. I'm fairly sure both men have said that wasn't supposed to happen. Mm, I'll look into that. Uh, because sure. um, after he did it, um, Undertaker had later said to Mick, like this is much later on in their lives, when I choke slammed you and you hit the mat, I thought I had killed you. Mm. Well, that was the worst bump, weirdly. Even it is, the yeah. one that, again, it's not the one that people remember as vividly. And it has that, that, that ring had no fall give. Well, that ring had no give. It was a slightly smaller fall. And the chair. It's was funny the... when you when you look at the uh, Shawn Michaels's fall, as spectacular as it looked, it was really about the equivalent of falling from the second rope. So it was about as big a bump, as big a fall he was taking as the one he did with uh, Mick Foley in the Mind Games match through the table. Yeah. I'd I'd say possibly top rope. Maybe. maybe. And he, with him having his hand stamped on rather than being thrown off, gave himself that couple of seconds to position his back accordingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick still manages to position his back accordingly, but he has to do it a lot fucking quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he he shifts in midair. Well, you know, he does like a, a rotation where Shawn yes. Michaels does a, just falls flat. So, yeah, Sean sets the, the position and then mm. lets go. Mick has to set the position whilst in midair. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, but because yeah, he's mad. <laughs> well, he was definitely, and it, it's weird to think that how much this. Obviously, without it's like how without Bret Hart, Steve Austin, we don't get this match, and without this match, we don't get the Undertaker throwing Mick Foley off the cell. And without, and without that, that, maybe we don't have Mick Foley still returning every few, every so often as a, a main, you know, a major factor in the. Well, without story. I was going to say, without that match, do we get Mankind winning the WWE title? Without that match, we don't get Shane McMahon going through the hell, through through the table from the top of the hell in the cell either. True. Uh, was, I believe it was Jim Cornette that brought the hell in the cell concept to them, mm. where they combined the the War Games cell like ceiling structure. With the Memphis steel cage, which always allowed for an ex, like a, a, a an area outside the ring for them to fight in. Uh, very, very amazing visual. It's it's so such a an imposing structure to look at. Yeah, it's annoying to watch live, though. I, I will I say that. I would have thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's. <sighs> One of the matches where I had to use the monitor more than I had to use my actual eyes looking at, especially when they're inside the ring. It's it was, it's taller as well now. That yeah, was about sixteen feet, I think, legit. Whereas that now it looks like it's about twenty, and it's yes because they didn't expect to do as many jumping off the top spots anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like how the new one has has climb holes in it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's another Which this one doesn't. Yeah. I always liked how they had to come up with inventive ways to get the cell open for them to go outside. Like at the Hell in a Cell six-man uh, at uh, Armageddon. <laughs> Vince yeah. Man turns up with his tow truck trying to bring the whole structure down. Vince is great in that. It's like, like just just the build-up of just going to Mick Foley, what are you doing putting all my talent in this insanity? Yeah. <laughs> and just being dead against it. I love... That, I was, lo- great. that was a great story, that whole thing. And it had, of course, Rikishi. Again, it's just those things. And then it became expectant upon people. To, and it was that constant one-upping that they had to basically re-educate people on uh, subsequent to that. And yeah. then, of course, the Hell in the Cell. The, the purpose of the Cell was also, in the Steel Cage was always meant to be, there's no escape this time. Whereas now it's just, it's October. Yeah. Themed pay-per-views I hate. With two... Well, the Royal Rumble's a themed pay-per-view. The Survivor Three... Series is a themed pay-per-view. All right, with four exceptions then. That, and they are as follows. Elimination Chamber. Um, although it does give people a lot of good WrestleMania outs if things aren't going to plan. So that's why I like it in February. Uh, but the but Rumble, Survivor Series, and I do like Money in the Bank being a themed pay-per-view. Yeah. But it's just the other ones... It's attaching... Well, I guess maybe it is the Hell in a Cell that bothers people the most because the idea is supposed to be that this feud is so brutal and bloody and, and extreme mm-hmm. that there is only one way we can settle it. Whereas now, as a result of it being a set point in the year, we have had opening matches in feuds be Hell in a Cell matches, which just feels... matches in feuds, but I think it's usually been rematches. I can't think of any opening matches. Off uh, Ran- Randy Orton and Sheamus one year, I swear. Are you sure? Well, they, they, they wrestled because she- because Randy Orton had won the title off of Sheamus, but that was in like a six-way elimination match. Or yeah. Something. And they had had a match at the, at the start of the year at the Royal Rumble as well. Yeah, but they hadn't interacted. like it, that, that... Other, other than the matches they'd had with each other. Not in a feuding sense, no. <laughs> you know how modern TV is. You're going to get me with your facts. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we've talked a lot about... It's funny, the two ones that we have talked the most about, I guess, are the ones we have more uh, childhood emotional... I mean, I'm guessing this is another match you'd probably watch before this. You are correct. Yeah. Ah, uh, so would you give this five stars? I've gone backwards and forwards on it, and I mm. will say that I will give it five stars. Mm. But that it almost certainly won't be in my top ten list because I've had more than ten five stars, and I think if you're going to have a lower range of the five stars, this would be in it. Yeah, I I'm pretty much in the same camp as you with that. Mm. Then I would give this five stars, but. I don't think it is going to hit my top ten either. Mm. Um, I'm obviously I'm I'm assuming that you looking more at the cultural impact of matches. That yeah, fact that's been is a your decision as well. But also because it's a it's the best. It's, I think it probably is still the best Hell in the Cell match there's ever been. I have a soft spot any other ones. For, I do have a soft spot. It may not even be the best in most people's eyes, but I do have a soft spot for the. Can I guess? Take- can I guess? Can I guess? Go on, is yeah. it the Triple H Batista one? No. Or is it the Taker Edge one? No. It is the, that was also... Sorry, the first, and this is a very key thing to say, the first oh, Taker Lesnar, Lesnar. Yeah. Taker one. 
Well, that's the one where the the Undertaker really takes the Shawn Michaels role of the one taking the shit, kicking and bleeding all over the place. Yes, bleeding into Brock Lesnar's mouth at one point. Yeah, obviously this is pre what happened with Cowboy Bob Orton, but you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but it's funny as well. Actually, one thing I wouldn't mind rewatching uh, soon is the uh, Undertaker Edge Hell in a Cell match mm-hmm. because that was the first one to take part place in the PG era. Yes, um, uh, Edge said that recently in a podcast, I believe. He did. He's like, um, he didn't know what to do. They, like, they just didn't know how to sort. Well, that's it. the thing. They'd already started to say you can't go on the ceiling anymore. You can't do this, that, and the other, and obviously you can't bleed. So you know. Anyway, uh, because yeah, they just became shortcuts. Like the, that's what they started to do. This didn't create, or the shortcuts it created, I suppose they they did through ingenuity. And they were the first ones to think of it. Yeah, I think it's just it's one of those matches that again, if you want to get if you're if you're suddenly getting into wrestling, especially the WWE, and you want to know about the history, you don't have to know the history. You don't have to know everything. Oh no! Like but... let's get past that toxic element of fan culture. But if you want to, yeah, this is one of the matches you should. Watch. Oh yeah, this is like a uh, a major stop off this is this is as significant to the hell in the cell match as the wrestlemania 10 ladder match was so Shawn michaels yet again yeah. in his two matches have essentially solidified maybe the two most famous gimmick matches in the wwe that are yeah. a factor to this day because again, if, maybe if those... a sign of what Shawn michaels offers wrestling if the, if the ladder match didn't go well would we have the TLC stuff and the careers of like the Hardys, Edge and Christian and, and the Dudleys, would they have taken the path they'd have gone on? If the Hell in a Cell match didn't go well, would we wouldn't have had Undertaker Mankind be in Hell in a Cell. We, mm. why, why would Vince go to the same well twice if the first one flopped? Yeah, yeah. It's like they haven't gone back to uh, the Punjabi prison oh, that often. fucking hell. Well, they have done that more than once. They're free. There's been free. Mm. <laughs> Uh-huh. So I'm cross three. Let's um, go. So uh, thankfully, there's no five star one, so I don't have to have that in the yeah. locker. <laughs> Undertaker. Um, the Undertaker was as big a participant in this match, though, than Razor Ramon was in the ladder match. Yeah, I will say that. Well, he was the aggressor. Mm. Yeah, but he was, you know, to be honest, he became more synonymous with the cell match than Shawn Michaels did. Yeah, but Shawn Michaels remained synonymous with the ladder match. Yeah. Well, Undertaker, hell, it's it's right well, there. And he also it? said it was like the devil's playground. Yeah. Like they, they, the whole thing was about how this was the Undertaker's thing. I was one of the things that always bothered me that I wish they'd done. I always want. I dreamed that we'd always had the Batista Brock Lesnar feud. Mm. And one of the reasons I wanted that was because I wanted them to have a Hell in a Cell match because it was the case that the two people that always won Hell in a Cell matches were the Undertaker and Triple H, but Brock Lesnar was the one that beat the Undertaker in the cell. And Batista, Batista was, was the one, the one that beat, beat Triple, Triple H. H in the cell. Yeah. I always wanted that to be like, you know, I always wanted that to be factored into a storyline, but they never did. I mean, it's crazy that we never got a Batista Brock Lesnar match. Well, never say never, although. But they both wrestled Kane a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's another one to watch. That's one of my favourite episodes. I think it was only like the third or fourth or fifth episode we ever recorded was the one for Kane. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Always, always had a soft spot for him, and he was there pretty much from the get-go. Most of what was there about him, he, he had, he had that presence from the start. Yes, similar to the presence that the Undertaker himself exuded at uh, the nineteen ninety Survivor Series. Mm. 
It's crazy to think now it's been 20 years since Kane's debut, 20 years since that match. And The Undertaker had only been around for eight years at that point. Um, like, the Kane has been far longer part of The Undertaker's story yes. than not. You know? yeah. Anyway, we talked a long time for this one, so I hope you've enjoyed the bumper edition. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, because God damn it, these 40 minutes just haven't been enough. <laughs> How can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of turnbuckles where the pyro went off properly. Oh, okay. See, and I'm going with the Punjabi prison ones. Okay. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Ascent. N for Not a Nice Landing. Hey. <laughs> That's my Twitter handle, that's my Instagram account, that's my Facebook, uh, Letterboxd. If you want to get in touch with me, you put an at gmail.com at the end of it. If you want to get in touch with the show, that's lmtyspod at gmail.com. Simon, we're coming to an end of an era now. Whilst a new era of Hell in a Cell matches are being created, this next string of matches, it's going to be the end of the All Japan run. Oh. And also, really, almost entirely, the well, we come into the end of the Misawa run, yeah, and the Kawada run, and the Tawai run. What are we about to talk about? Uh, we have a, another tag match where Kawada and Tawai team up against Jun Akiyama and Mitsuharu Misawa. The final matches on this list for both Kawada and Tawai. <sighs> so that's oh. something to discuss. Uh, be a lot of reflection in that, yeah, I yeah. imagine. So, anyway, there's nothing left to say uh, until then, except for my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you quite a lot of something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. In a one-stop only motel, the storm bangs on the cheapest room, the phantom slips in to spill blood even on the sweetest honeymoon or the killer for the last name Niagara by chance or escaping from misery by suddenness or in answer to Smoking in the dark cinema See the bad go down